Where all the natives hurry and scurry to and fro And like fleas on a puppy dog, they got no place to go I wouldn't live in New York City if they gave me the whole dang town all right, in our third and final segment, we have a bit of a surprise here. An actual news report or news reporter on the scene for us in the Big Apple, New York City. Welcome back to Radio Parallax, Stephen Valentino. Doug, it's always a pleasure to be here with you. So, okay, you're stuck there in the Big Apple and the snow is coming down. And what's the real story? Was it everyone here saying, well, it wasn't as bad as they feared? Well, yeah, I mean, the storm wound up being, although originally predicted as this historic three-foot snowfall wound up being a complete and total dud. <laughs> Would you get, what, six inches or something? or Like, not even that. Leading up to the storm, there was a complete sense of panic that overtook <laughs> the city. Places like Whole Foods and Trader Joe's had lines out the door around the block, people lining up for, like, all kinds of supplies. Well, if I'm going to be stuck in- indoors during a storm in Manhattan, I want to have some radicchio. <laughs> yeah, no, I know, but, you know, my feeling is, like, if the world is ending, you can eat conventional bananas. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, well, I would think so, yeah. Well, they shut down the entire subway system. Well, how'd you get around? Uh, well, you, you either walked or you just made sure that you were in place before, I believe it was 11 o'clock, that they finally shut it down on Monday. Were you able to commute from Brooklyn into Manhattan? I work in Manhattan. I was fortunate enough to... Uh, be put up in a hotel uh, across oh. the street because I mean the anticipation was for a complete deluge of snow yeah. in the city, and that just did not happen. All right, so you're stuck in you're stuck in the city. What was that like? Well, you know, this is obviously a good opportunity. You would think like a major blizzard to I don't know go out and have a few drinks or something. Yeah. The problem was that. <laughs> A lot of people who work at these bars or these restaurants in Manhattan can't afford to live in Manhattan. So they all had to hightail at home before the 11 p.m. curfew, which went into effect. So there was nothing open. The city was essentially a ghost town and remained that way through Tuesday. Yeah, I would imagine, I guess, Thurston Howell IV didn't come down from the penthouse to man the bar, I guess. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. But, you know, the point I want to make, though, is that, you know, I mean, city officials and Governor Cuomo have gotten a lot of flack for over-preparing, for shutting down the subways, for calling in snow plows, extra snow plows. But you have to remember that, you know, in 2010, another, like, similarly, not as large blizzard as this was predicted, but a large blizzard uh, hit the city and crippled it for almost, uh, almost a week. I mean, you had subway problems, you had transit problems. Ambulances couldn't get through the streets that it were not properly plowed. I mean, there was some serious fallout from that last storm, and so I think that that's why there's been an abundance of caution with this most recent one. All right, so it wasn't Armageddon, and in the end, that's all good. Everyone sort of felt like they were going to, you know, be on one of those doomed 19th century Arctic expeditions, <laughs> and uh, it did not turn out that way. All right. Well, Stephen, I appreciate your giving us the update, and I know you're you're kind of you got a lot to do right now. But uh, maybe in the next week or two, give us some follow up on how this whole thing evolves, because I'm sure it's going to continue evolving. I will do that, and you enjoy the California sun. <laughs> will do. Well, I ain't seen the sunshine since the day that I arrived. Cause, brother, I've been busy. I try to survive 
Doug, call on line one, Michu Kaku. For real? So he says. All right. Um, are we speaking with the futurist and cosmologist from UC Riverside Station, Michio Kaku? Uh, yes. Hello, Mr. Doug Everett. It is Mr. Everett, is it not, on KDBS? Well, close enough, sir. Yes, I have heard your science programming, and I thought I should work to bind the UC stations together. Uh-huh. Well, that's, uh, that's commendable. I prefer not to use the term futurist, however. Uh, such individuals are called upon to make predictions, and predicting is notoriously difficult. Yes, especially about the future, I think, as Yogi Berra once said. Luckily, the public seldom recalls if your forecasts prove inaccurate. Yeah, you know, the amazing Criswell used to get away with murder. Ah, yes, Criswell. Huh. Well, everyone hoped we will have flying cars, but frankly, I do not see that as ever being realistic. Well, speaking as a pilot, I'm grateful for that. Ah, uh, yes, indeed. Imagine, Doug, if Chinese drivers could leave the ground. The very thought frightens me. I was nearly creamed when I was in Wuhan. <laughs> well, we, uh, we think we know what you mean, but f frankly, we're surprised to hear you say it. I never saw flying cars, Doug, but... I did predict, in 1990, privately owned Zeppelins within the end of the decade. Uh, that, of course, has never become a reality. Yeah, too bad. Luckily, no one remembered that, or my prediction of self-laundering underwear by 2012. <laughs> you know, that might have come in pretty handy for those rock climbers in Yosemite. Well, Doug, with new fabrics and portable ozone generators, I still hold out hope for revolutionary garments. Well, you know, hope springs eternal. Hey, you know, uh, no futurist bats a thousand, but I admit I was way off the mark when I predicted that by 2017 they would hold a Super Bowl halftime show on the moon. Yeah, that, that one's not looking too good. Thus, I prefer to stick to cosmology and string theory. Well, you know, many think string theory is just bunk. Uh, Richard Feynman once said that string theorists don't make predictions, they make excuses. Well, some in the physics community, Doug, doubt that 11 dimensions of tiny strings could account for the conventional three dimensions. I will give you that. But remember that these are itty-bitty strings curled up so tightly they don't really count. Uh, no comment. I have modified my string theory. Now, each of the 11 dimensions of my old theory now has 11 dimensions itself. So we're up to, what, 121 dimensions? Uh, yes, that's right. I have had to expand the string theory so much, I now call it twine theory. I see. Duquesne University in Pittsburgh, Doug, has a grant from the Heinz Corporation to see if they can work out the universe divided into 57 dimensions. So that's the Heinz 57 theory. That's, that's convenient. In addition to twine theory, Oxford has a new chord theory, which is based on the universe being composed of tiny bungee cords. I see. And may I add the exciting work being done in the Department of Hypothetical Physics and Non-Applicable Mathematics at the <laughs> University of Heidelberg. Well, must you? Yes, Doug. Listen, this is very exciting stuff. The Germans think that matter may be organized at its most fundamental levels, not as particles or even strings, but teeny-weeny Rubik's Cubes. I think we need to be running along back to planet Earth, Dr. Kaku. <laughs> That's a good one, Mr. Everett. Theoretical physicists do enjoy a hearty chuckle, but let's move on, shall we, to cosmology. All right, but no multiverse stuff, okay? Well, why not? Well, this notion that there's an infinity of universes with an infinite different courses of events infinitely varied, that, that, that's just exasperating. I should think you'd be intrigued at the notion of an alternate universe where, for example, the only difference in that particular universe is that... Right in the middle of this very conversation, I break out singing Wild Thing. My. You know, the song by the Trogs. 
or you suddenly whittle in your pants in the middle of our chat. Well, there's a choice here. I, I'm going to go with the first one. I find this concept of infinite permutations liberating, Doug. Yeah, well, I find it inane, Dr. Kaku. Uh, so, so in one of your alternate universes, everything's exactly the same except maybe one thing. So, like, in that universe's Batman TV show, the Joker is played by Ben Bernanke, and, and meanwhile, their Federal Reserve is headed by Cesar Romero. Uh, yes, that, in fact, would be one possibility. <laughs> Good God. By the way, I like your vivid imagination, Doug. Uh, perhaps it is not too late for a career in cosmology. But seriously, astrophysics does have many colorful terms. Uh, you know, like white dwarves, brown dwarves, maybe you've heard of red giants. Uh-huh, yeah. Well, my calculations reveal a novel new entity. I have nicknamed them Blue Elves. Elves. Yes, my collaborator Sheldon Minkowitz at Yale wanted to call them blue balls, but that seemed a little too... too uh, Pornographic, maybe? Uh, inelegant, though. Uh-huh. Are they blue? Well, we calculate that they do undergo a spectral blue shift from the Doppler effect, yes. You mean the Doppler effect? Uh, no, the Doppler effect. Uh, when dumb ideas seem smarter when they come at you really fast. <laughs> the official office for naming things in space did not agree to the name Blue Elves, so we sought more logical terminology, uh, more consistent with other things out there. Uh, you have heard of quasars? Yeah, galactic black holes. And pulsars? Collapsed stars, sure, yeah. Yes, yes. So we renamed the Blue Elves, and their new names are Mutsars. Mutsars, like in Mutts? Yes, they are cosmic mongrels. Mutt-like. Mutts, yes, Mutts. Uh, smaller than Quasar, bigger than a Pulsar, and blue. The Keck Telescope in Hawaii is out to catalog them, Doug. And uh, how many have you found so far? Not a one. They are theoretical objects, and I'm a theoretical physicist, not an astronomer. <laughs> so, so what are the odds? Well, Doug, we are taking a gander to see what pops up. Nobody expected to locate Uranus till Sir William Herschel took a look. Uh, no comment. And by the way, there's another new physics theory I want to debut on your show. A new boson we have deduced from our calculations. Like, like, like the Higgs boson, that, that supposed particle that creates mass? These are bosons, yes, but not associated with mass like the Higgs. No? No, no. According to our math, Doug, these bosons create location. Location. I know it sounds crazy, but they give other particles places to hang, if you will. Uh, without them, other particles would have to loiter in virtual space. <laughs> I see. We see a pair of symmetric particles, the Khmer boson and the Gouet boson. One creates the here, the other creates the there. <laughs> I, I, I think I have a headache. Maybe we continue this discussion some other time. Well, sure. Uh, perhaps I can tell you about my cosmologic theory of what took place between 10 to the negative 19th and 10 to the negative 17th seconds after the Big Bang. Well, Dr. Kaka, we have a policy of not addressing things here that take place in under a picosecond. Well, you know, the idea of creating something from nothing in almost no time at all seems so intriguing. Uh, I'm not so sure. Isn't that what TV execs do every year with those stupid reality shows? Uh, why don't we talk about the Little Bang Theory? Uh, is that a joke, Doug? Well, I'm virtually certain that it is, but uh, thanks to the Heisenberg uncertainty principle, I'm not, I'm not positive. Doug, that is an incorrect interpretation of Heisenberg. I think 
I think I should clarify it. Well, I think you should too, but maybe not today. But please, please come again, Dr. Michio Kaku. Very well. Yes. But as I go out, let me say, wild thing, you make my heart sing, you make everything... Groovy, yes, yes. Let's talk again soon. Oh, and before I forget, did I mention my award-winning website, Doug? mkaku.org. That's M-K-A-K-U dot O-R-G. I'm sure our listeners will want to check that out. Thank, thank you, Dr. Michio Kaku. You're most welcome, Doug. All right, we've only got a minute or two left for the program. I just want to note that uh, it would have been yesterday our aviation correspondent, Vladimir Zeravika's birthday. I just want to say happy birthday, Vlado, wherever you are. There is some current controversy about opening up the Arctic Wildlife Refuge to um, oil exploration. I do want to note I was somewhat surprised to hear Vlado's take on that uh, some years back on the program, where he said, you know, they can swap that land out for some other land if the oil's there. He was a bush pilot up there, flew all over that area, knew it very well, and said, you know, a lot of it is very similar. And his take was, the wildlife refuge isn't as special as maybe it's being made out to be. Can't say whether he was right or wrong, but he was a pretty smart guy and he knew his business. So, uh, you know, we have to give that another look. Anyway, I guess we need to thank Stephen Valentino, our New York City correspondent, and of course, Dr. Michio Kaku, I got a feeling we'll be hearing from him again. We promised in the first segment we'd do a clip somewhere from Dr. Strangelove, and I think what we'll do is make that our bumper music as we go out. This might make an interesting transition into music to make pancakes, too. But we're confident that his able host, Presto Pancakes, will be able to feel this one. This program was produced by Edward McMillan. I'm Douglas Everett. You've been listening to Radio Parallax. We'll see you next week. Incredibly obvious, isn't it? A foreign substance is introduced into our precious bodily fluids without the knowledge of the individual, certainly without any choice. That's the way your hardcore commie works. Hey, Jack, Jack, listen, tell me, tell me, Jack, when did you first become, well, develop this theory? I, I first became aware of it, Mandrake, during the physical act of love. Huh. Yes, a, a, a profound sense of fatigue, a feeling of emptiness followed. Mm-hmm. Luckily, I, I was able to interpret these feelings correctly. Loss of essence. Huh. I can assure you it has not recurred, Mandrake. Women, uh, women sense my power. They seek the life essence. I do not avoid women, Mandrake. Yeah. But I, I do deny them my essence. <laughs> <laughs>